What's up, everybody? Welcome to another jam-packed college football edition of the Two Buck Sports Podcast. But, uh, you know, Drew, I, I would be remiss if we didn't celebrate the the gravity of what this episode is. We have been recording this podcast. We've talked about it a couple times on here. I'm Rusty, your co-host, by the way, for those of you just tuning in for the first time. We started recording this podcast almost a year ago. And we had a couple extra episodes here and there, but this is my favorite athlete of all time. One of your higher favorite athletes of all time, I'm sure. My favorite Grizzly of all time. One of your favorite Grizzlies of all time. This is the Zach Randolph episode. This is episode number 50. 50 for the city. What's up, Drew? Man, what's going on? We've made it to a milestone. You know, we keep doing this, and every time I get the link for the Skype every week, I look at the episode, I'm like, all right, who... Whose episode is it this week? And we jokingly said last week was our Patrick Willis episode. It was 49. That's the number he wore. And Ole Miss, one of my favorite Rebels of all time, obviously. <clears throat> but uh, this week to have 50, to have Zach Randolph, the only number that's in the rafters at FedEx Forum, to represent this little old podcast from two Mississippi boys, um, it's just an honor. <laughs> it's yeah. just an honor. You know, I it's funny and it goes into my bucks best of the week. Uh, so I'll just go into it. Um, that I don't want this to come off as braggadocious because we're still a small time podcast, but there is nothing better than having people say that they've listened to us. And for us to, uh, it kind of goes hand in hand, you know, our cousin Kirk, and you know, he always participates with us when, you know, we love listening to, uh, to Kirk's antics on this podcast. (laughs) Uh, but, in a moment of real, like, you know, you don't get much, many moments of seriousness with Kirk. He just looked at me at my grandma's birthday party over the weekend, and he just said, dude, I look forward to Thursday morning every single week. <laughs> and it just made me feel really good. Uh, and so this one's for Kirk. Uh, it's also fun. You know, everybody's – It's I told you a couple weeks ago, word started getting around the office that – uh, that I had a podcast or that we have a podcast and everybody thinks it's cute. Like it's a, it's a, everybody's had a podcast for one reason, yeah. but I'm like, no, like we've done 50 episodes. Like this is, it is still a hobby. It is not, yeah. definitely not a career anywhere close <laughs> to that, but I'm proud that we've stuck it through. We've almost made it a whole year. Uh, we have, we are in our second college football season. Uh, granted, we didn't start in the beginning of last football season, but so this is like what, season uh, one point two or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's like the best birthday ever is like to be born like the first part of December because you get like you basically get two Christmases in your first year of living. You know, yeah. that's kind of how we're at with college football on this podcast. Yeah. And so it's uh, it makes me feel real good to hear people say that they like it. Uh, that's not why we do it. But it is encouraging. And so if you guys ever enjoy us, we'd love to hear it because, you know, we're going to keep going one way or the other. But it puts an extra little pep in ourselves, in our steps to know that uh, that people out there are listening and consuming every week with us and spending an hour and a half with us. Yeah, for sure. You know, I've gotten messages on Instagram. I've seen people that kind of say the same thing, pull me aside. Like, I really like your show. I really enjoy y'all's banter. Drew's funny looking, but he's not bad. You that know. sounds personal. <laughs> no, it, it has been fun when people do, you know, interact with us. So we love, uh, you know, we had one of the best interactions this week on our Instagram uh, picks. You know, it was it was really fun. Um, 
you know, people think we're crazy, I'm sure. And again, like Drew said, we're not doing this for the fame and certainly not for the fortune. But yeah. it is fun when our fans interact with us. So The I only just, fortune we're getting out of this is if, if somebody sends some fortune cookies our way. <laughs> <laughs> that we will read live on air. <laughs> yeah. I will read a fortune cookie. Uh, yeah. I'll also take a, a fortune when it comes to money as well. Just for sure. somebody be dumb enough to offer for the first time. That's it. Be our first. Because think about it. Like, like Drew said just a few seconds ago, like we don't do it for the fame and fortune yet. You can but, be a part of a grassroots <laughs> effort to grow the next yeah. sports media conglomerate that started you know, right here in our offices. <laughs> there are a section of snobby music fans out there, and I always think of it music because I had a, a semi-career in it in the past. But nobody's worse than the guy that that heard the band first, you know, takes such pride and be like, oh, yeah, I, I knew them before they even had a record label. That mm. guy, that guy stinks. But... <laughs> But Unless it's our if podcast. You, if you start, if you were, if we're at episode fifty, but if you get in right now, you're still considered grassroots. So That's come good. on in. <laughs> you're, yeah. This this is no. We're, we're, nobody's a bandwagon yet. No. I think until we get to triple digits, everybody are day one OGs. Yeah. And once we start hitting a hundred, then we'll have to we'll have to have a Patreon we'll, level. Patreon, like, yeah. yeah, that's it. Like you donate to be an OG, but right. otherwise you're one of the newbies. Then then the first people that listen from day one no longer matter. It's just the people that pay us. That pay us. <laughs> um, no one doubt. day. One day. One day. One day. No doubt. But uh. Yeah, man, my uh, my Bucks best of the week uh, happened over the weekend, and it kind of turned into my beef. So I'm gonna do both of mine. Then if you got a beef, you can jump in. But I uh, I was invited, man. My Bucks best of the week is just the atmosphere at college football. College football, we talk about it. It's, I'm so glad it's back. I love talking about it, watching it. But the best thing is just to go to a game and tailgate and be a part of the atmosphere and. A good friend of mine, shout out Bobby and his wife Kara and their friend D had an extra ticket to the Coastal Carolina Jacksonville State game this weekend. Uh, shout out the Jacksonville State Gamecocks. Um, <laughs> I told him when we got there, I was like, this is my second favorite team is <laughs> Jacksonville yeah. State <laughs> uh, for the upset they pulled off on the Ole Miss Rebels a few years ago, but who's counting? Anyway, Thanks, so we Houston get there. Nut. Yeah. <laughs> So we get there. They've got a great tailgate set up. We're drinking beverages, eating food. We go to the game. It's a great atmosphere. The student section is wild. It's their first home game of the year. We get there, and and I make a I make a run downstairs to get some drinks and go to the bathroom. And as I'm coming back up, I notice it's just a large flood of people coming down. And then Bobby's at the top of stairs. He's like, "Ah, Russ, got to turn around. We're in a lightning delay." Oh like, no. Right. So we go downstairs. Listen, it ended up being better than the football game because we ended up next to the medical tent. And there were okay. four college girls that were not having a good time. Oh, they no. were miserable. Gone. Yeah. One of them was holding the the bag, doubled over, and anytime oh, they no. set her up, she was like a wet noodle. She would just fall oh, no. in whatever direction they set her up. Best part was she looked at that EMS guy and was like, "I'm having a hard time." And he yeah. goes, "We know." <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, we've all been young. Yep. Young <laughs> and mean, dumb. I've uh. Off air, I can tell you some stories that I, I would not dare to to say online. Uh, I'm a better man now than I once was. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we've all – nothing sounds more miserable than that. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we watched that for a few minutes, and then they decided to go back to the tailgate. So we did, and uh, they said, we've got a bottle of wine. Um, turns out they had three. Um, and so we enjoyed those at the tailgate. I came home, watched the end of the Mississippi State game, and went to bed. Um, woke up to my Bucks beef of the week. 
I am an old man. I own that. Um, I get up every morning. I put on my robe. I go to the kitchen. I get my cup of coffee and I sit on my recliner and my, on my on my couch and kind of wake up. That's what I do. Right. Mm-hmm. Sounds I great. I'm a I'm uh, a big robe guy. Big robe guy. I, I think that's when I turned 30. I was just like, man, I love a robe. I asked for one for Christmas a few years mm-hmm. ago. I got it. I wear it every. I wear it yep. at some point every day. Absolutely. I love and so I'm sitting on my couch, and I'm like, I never get hot in my robe. Why am I hot in my own house? Yeah, I've I go done to the this. hallway, and it was set at 69, and it was 76. Uh, I had this a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I popped open my my little panel. I'm like, my air filter's a little dirty. It's not awful. I'll change it. And when I popped it off, what do I see behind it? But a sheet of ice on the evaporator coals. Oh no! I was like, it, oh, it got oh, too no. cold. It yeah. froze up, and so. I'm like, all right, I'm going to thaw it out. I'm going to call for some help because I know next to nothing about AC units. Um, and so I call this company that will re- remain nameless because I don't want to badmouth people on this podcast. But the guy shows up. I tell him, hey, there's black ice on my evaporator coals. It's, it's not cooling. So they show up. He shows up. He's just like, new filter? I said, yeah, I just changed it this morning. He pops it off. He's like, oh, well, here's your problem. I was like, oh, cool. He found something. Mm-hmm. I go over there. What do you see? He goes, it's a black ice. I'm like, yeah, that's why I called. <laughs> Yes. He goes, well, this is an older unit, man. And I, 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 you know, I can't fix it. I can't work on it. Best I could do is a brand new unit. You may call a guy to give you a quote. I'm like, no. dude, you have been here for three minutes and you're <laughs> trying to make me I'm like, how much is a new unit for a condo anyway? He's like, oh, like you're looking at nine to $12,000. Yeah. And oh, I was man. like, get out of here. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I said, Bye. give me a minute. And he said, let me go write up some options. And I'm like, yeah, you go do that. So he's walking Take downstairs. Take your time, buddy. And I'm like, not like. So I'm Googling how much is a condo AC. Right. It's, they're going for like four to forty, four to forty five hundred in South Carolina right now. Much more yeah. like it's plus, expensive. Plus installation. So it said forty five hundred installed. I mean, it may be five or six, but like either way, it's still much cheaper than twelve. Like there's no reason that a fourteen hundred square foot condo needs a twelve thousand dollar air conditioner. Yeah, I think uh, some box fans will work. Yeah, I mean, that's it, man. But uh, anyway, he comes back up and he, he had just told me he couldn't fix it, but he had a quote for $3,000 to fix some stuff on it. I'm like, hey, man, hold on. You just said you can't fix it. Oh, well, yeah, these are bandages. I still think you need a new one. I said, look, man, I'm good. Like, I'm just going to think about it and I'll be in touch. And he's like, all right, that'll be 100 bucks. Like, this man, like, didn't do anything. Like, <laughs> I need he, to be in the HVAC business. He, I paid him 100 bucks to confirm that I saw ice on my AC unit. Yep, it's ice. So I'm like, dude, I open my freezer every day and look at ice. I know what right. ice looks like. <laughs> very, I've been very familiar, intimately familiar Listen, with frozen am, water in my car. I try to be a humble guy, but I am arrogant when it comes to my ability to spot ice. I know what it looks like. <laughs> right? So yeah. anyway, he leaves, and I start YouTubing. Like, there's got to be a way. So I find I'm, – I'm, mean, meanwhile – uh, I call a friend. He kind of helps me through it too. I, I prop a hair dryer on it. I'm thawing out my coals. I'm mm-hmm. looking up what to do. I, I find how to flush my own drain line. Did that. There was some yeah. gunk in there. It was definitely some buildup. Thawed out my evaporator coals. Then I mixed some warm water, mild detergent, and a cloth, and I scrubbed them things. Man, my coals are clean. Yeah. And so after letting it thaw for about eight hours uh, with some fans running, sweating a little bit, I went and did some errands. I was, you know, all this kind of stuff just not to sit here and sweat in my own house. I woke up Monday morning and I was cold and my hey. AC has ran better since I bought this condo in the last three days. So like, wow. shout out to YouTube. There's a yeah, shout out. No free shout out. YouTube. Yeah. Um, YouTube for coming in best. clutch because it know, wasn't getting enough air with that dirty air filter on one side, the clogged drain pipe on the other. I got that fixed. And like, again, I wake up cold. It is fan. Right. 
fantastic. I know. I was here. I woke up. I guess it's been about three weeks ago. Uh, I woke up, and we, when we get when we leave, we leave the house, I bump the AC up to seventy four, seventy five. When we get home, I bump it down to seventy. And so I woke up, and it was when it was a hundred degrees outside back then. You know, woke up and it was seventy seven degrees in the house, and I was like, "This doesn't feel right. Uh, maybe I just forgot." to bump it back down um and so what had happened is i had sent my daughter to do it so i didn't actually see what it was set on before she started changing it so i wasn't 100 percent sure if i had lowered the temperature or not uh so i was like well fine i'll just lower it uh, i work just around the corner i'll come back in a couple hours and see what it's at and i come back in a couple hours at like 8 30 in the morning and it's risen to 79 and i was like okay got to get somebody back over here and so i called a guy just like you did and he spent about an hour here he replaced the uh the capacitor yeah he he replaced the capacitor and then when he put the capacitor back in the fan motor blew up so then he replaced the fan motor and i was out 360 dollars so yeah it's bad and it's it was a bad time Good bit, good time for business if you're in an HVAC when it was 100 degrees outside in August. Bad for the homeowner because mm. you are you're talking about being at somebody's mercy. Try your air conditioner going out and it's 102 degrees outside. You yeah. will literally do whatever it takes, pay whatever dollar amount. So yeah, well, you're not wrong, man. And, and it's so, definitely a beef. Yeah. So the beef is not only the AC work. But the beef is people who come in and try to rob you. Like he thought he found some schmuck that he could charge $12,000 for a new unit. And I'm like, bro, like I may have been born at night, but it wasn't last night. I'm going to at least do some homework before. And so I will not be calling said company again. And I will, um, I will make sure that I YouTube everything before I call out again. Yeah. Uh, my bucks beef of the week is more offensive than your air conditioning guy. And it's the week three matchups in college football. (laughs) You're I'm telling wrong. you, the I hate conference realignment. Uh, I like the familiarity of opponents and and regional matchups in college sports. I think it's what makes it beautiful. It's it's what you know you you know people that root for the other teams. Every other team you could play, you know somebody that's a fan of that team because you're all in the same region of the world. Um, but. The best thing that could come out of this is one day when we end up with four super conferences or whatever, that we get rid of all these cupcake games because it mm. is just an absolute trash schedule. Uh, week one is okay. You get your marquee kickoff. Everybody's feeling hot and heavy, and you get some good ones. Week two had two ranked matchups, Ole Miss and Tulane, Alabama and Texas were the only two ranked matchups. This week, week three, there are 25 games with ranked people with ranked teams in it you know what that means is not one single ranked team plays another one it's just awful awful Awful. and so um there's just you know case in point i know dion's a big deal but college game day is going to colorado colorado state you know that the slate is bad when college game day is going to colorado colorado state only because of dion right I thought they would wait another week because they've got Oregon next week. They got USC coming up, and they may still go to those because I think uh, but they they've play, got better competition. 
Right. You know? And so you're you're absolutely right. Dion's the story right now, but there's just not like, you know, I had eight games and I had a, a few more last week to pick from. And I was able to get eight pretty easily for our picks <clears throat> that we'll go over here in just a little bit. But I like I was scraping to get seven for this yeah. week. It's so just I, not great matchups. So week four, you've got Ole Miss at Alabama. That's a college game day. I mean, Alabama's loss didn't help that any. But it's uh, still an option. UCLA, Utah, uh, like you said, Oregon, Colorado, um, Ohio State, Notre Dame, which is where they will be in South Bend next week for Ohio State, Notre Dame. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because they'll both be undefeated for that. And we're not Iowa, a game Penn day, State. So. Yeah, not a game day candidate, but State and South Carolina will be a good football game. Like, there's a much better right. slate starting next week. Like the second best game this week has got to be Mississippi State LSU. Yeah. And that's saying something because I mean that that's something state fans get excited about. That's that'll be a game that SEC fans get excited about because it's a conference game mm-hmm. and the best conference game that you have available to watch this week. But yeah. nationwide, that's not going to draw. And what, what's what's sad is UT and Florida are also this week, and that's, that's normally a too. massive, massive rivalry. It's a big game, but like Florida sucks. Like just yeah. two ways around that. Yeah. So uh, but I that's agree. my beef for the week. I, I, I just wish that we would ditch. And I know that that these games, these pay games, keep the lights on in a lot of football programs mm-hmm. like, you know, like Ole Miss, not Tulane, but like Mercer or like Southeast Louisiana that mm-hmm. Mississippi State's play. Like well, this, this funds the whole program for a season, but it's just preseason at best. And you're not, yeah. you know, football season is 12 games long. Regular season is 12 games long. To take a third of that, mm-hmm. Is just garbage, yeah. and and play nobody. Like Especially Ole Miss is even playing. I mean, props to Ole Miss, I guess. I mean, they're at least playing Georgia Tech, which is Power Five, but Georgia Tech's terrible. Yeah, you know, because then you have those years that roll through. Like you'll still get games like this year's non-conference Alabama and Texas, but like you look at Georgia's schedule and just the way everything kind of fell. And right. I, and I, you know, to Georgia's credit, I will say they had Oklahoma scheduled this year, right. but they dropped it because they're joining the conference next year. I'm surprised Alabama didn't do the same, but they'd already done one of the homes. This was they like I had a home and home. But yeah, already played one of them. Right, they had last year, and then Georgia and Oklahoma were supposed to be this year and next year, so they just canceled it. But because of that, this Ball State and UT yeah. Martin and these teams are going to friggin' maul. And like, yeah. I have zero desire to watch George at eleven o'clock. You know, beat up on UT Martin. And I mean, I'm I'm honest to you about Ole Miss as well. I try to be totally honest. There's nothing about opening weekend against Mercer that does anything for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see the boys back in maroon and white. But it's Southeastern Louisiana. Like yeah. when we played K State a couple years ago or Oklahoma State. Like those got me excited. Right. Not not southeastern Louisiana. No offense to the other Bulldogs or the Lions. No offense to the Lions down there. Yeah. So just get rid of these pay games. Everybody play a power twelve power five games. Increase yeah. the SEC games to at least nine, and play three power five. play three uh, power five conference games. Yeah, and they uh, they could be group of five. You could pick from the ACC or conference USA game in there, but at least they're a power five teams with some competition. But there should be. At least one from the Power Five, whether that's an ACC, Big Ten nah, opponent. All they Power can, Five. That's what I want to get to. I don't want yeah. to – no more group of five. I I, that's I, what I want to get to. And that's I, what I hope this conference realignment leads to is is just getting away from the NCAA as a whole, starting your own organization of 60 teams or 70 teams that that are all on equal playing field and there's no cupcakes. 
Yeah, I, you know, I don't know that the SEC will ever go to that because of how strong the SEC conference is, but I have been seeing a lot of traction. And again, this is probably just Twitter exercises, which can be productive and fun sometimes. Good for a conversation, at least. Around like a Premier League college football. Yeah, I love have, the relegation. Yeah, idea. like you have this top tier and you got teams that are fighting for their lives to stay in there. And if not, then you're relegated down and you're relegated down. And you'll see teams like Stanford and Oregon State that not get picked up by a conference that get relegated. Vanderbilt should be relegated. And then you have more competitive football. You can play in the Premier League against the Premier League and then the, the Champion League or whatever. And then the right. whatever they call it, the the Bush, the like the old NASCAR, the old Bush, Bush League, League down there. Um, playing playing the truck series yeah that's it uh yeah i like the idea of relegation you have say 40 teams or 60 teams you know you're you just say you have four conferences of 15 teams Mm -hmm. you know that gets you to 60 teams Mm -hmm. and then you know the bottom you say take the top 50 and relegate the bottom 10 and then you'll have teams like uh, that start off in the lower league, like Memphis, your power five, I mean, your group of five schools like Memphis and uh, Tulane, yeah. yeah, all them, then they are the ones fighting for to replace Vanderbilt. And like you said, you know, the other garbage schools like Navy, I mean, you know, whatever. Watch yourself. But, We're patriotic on this podcast. I don't know. They, they, that's <laughs> terrible. Yeah, yeah, they're terrible. So. And then you can even do like a Premier League championship. You can make like a Champion League championship. So it makes it like competitive. Like, again, it's the, the, the you know, the not a participation trophy, but like a consolation prize. But it makes that middle tier more competitive. So like if, if you win that, the middle league, then you're automatically bumped up. Listen, I'm even cool. Like if each region, uh, and this would have to reset the whole conferences altogether. But say you say the SEC. So if you look in soccer if that's what we're going to use as a model you've got the bundesliga and then you've got the um premier league and you've got the um what's the spanish league? la liga and all know. the different you know you've got the spanish and the german and the the english league and mm-hmm. all that and so you do that here and say you've got the southeastern league which you would have your premier level of southeastern league which could be your 16 sec schools and then below them you would have Memphis, Tulane, Southeast Louisiana, Troy, South Alabama, UAB. Yeah, those guys all fighting to jump up and take Mm -hmm. a bite out of, you know, the SEC itself, Mm -hmm. you know. To, but, to for yeah. like a for a Vanderbilt or a Kentucky in a down year or Florida right now like to be yeah. relegated because you're bad. It, It would it would force competition. It would force competitiveness. I like it. Yeah. So I mean I've sat through a. A two and ten, a three and nine, Ole Miss season before, and I know without a, those seasons, I've seen them lose to Jack State. You know, Jack yeah. State would would have gotten us. You know, yeah. we'd have been I playing mean, in the. You say the SEC relegates to the Sun Belt. <laughs> the Fun Belt. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I like it. You know, I mean, I get, like you said, I've been in the stadium when I was on the sideline when Mississippi State lost to Maine on a visit. I was at Alabama uh, when they lost to La Tech in Houston, and it's just like it's ugly. It's ugly football, and if that you know gets you relegated to the Sun Belt for a little bit, and then you work your way back up, I, I think it's yeah. a great it's a great win for for college football fans across the country. And look at us here on the podcast. That's why we need sponsors so we can get this message out to more people because we are solving the issues for the people on this podcast. Yeah, I would hate to. I, I can't sit here with a straight face and say that we have come up with something that has not been talked about before. <laughs> no, but I do wrong. co-sign the idea of setting up a relegation style system for college football. 
You hear that, NCAA? We're coming for you. Yeah, I just get rid of them. What they've done with that Northeast, that Tez, uh, what's his name, at North Carolina, Oh, what yeah. they've done with that guy, yeah. not granting him a year of eligibility because his school shut down their program over COVID, is just the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I, I cannot wait for the NCAA to just burn. We've got one in Jaquarius Spivey at Mississippi State. Have you seen all that saga? No. <clears throat> so he transferred. He started at Mississippi State. He transferred to TCU because we did away with the tight end position under Mike Leach. He wanted to come back and play his last year of eligibility with the guys that he started with in right. Starville. Practice with us. He was the number two tight end behind uh, Ryland, the transfer from Georgia, but was going to be in a lot of packages and had a lot of stuff. He's a big guy, you know, very going to be a, a, a good part of our offense. We played Southeastern Louisiana on Saturday. On Thursday afternoon, the NCAA said, oh, he's ineligible because a, a guy who is no longer employed by TCU told him, look, you're playing in the college football national championship in a new semester. Let's get you registered at TCU just in case you don't transfer. And he said, look, I'm transferring, but you're an academic advisor. You know what you're doing. You work with athletes. Athletes, I trust you. And you've, now got the, to be a, you've got to be a registered student if there's a shot of you playing in the national right. championship game. And so he registered him at TCU. He then transfers to Mississippi State. That was back in March, right? All the way now till the beginning of end of August, early September. Then they come out and say, nah, actually you're ineligible. Yeah. And that's such a shame, man, that we're robbing these kids it's to not, get from North Carolina of eligibility for stupid, yeah, the thing, stupid rules. The North Carolina kid is something of it's more heinous than anything I've heard of because you granted this. Everybody has got a sixth year of eligibility because yeah. of COVID, but because for some reason he's not getting it and his school literally shut down their football program during the COVID year when everybody else played and got that year for free. Uh, he didn't get to play. So, I mean, he mm -hmm. genuinely has a year left yeah. and they wouldn't give it to him. But. Yeah. They were, I mean, even just today, uh, Nick Fitzgerald, they interviewed him on the Thunder and Lightning podcast ahead of the Mississippi State LSU game, and he's like, hey, I still got a COVID year. I could come back and use that, like just jokingly, but like everybody got one. Why not give this kid one? Right. I, I wish y'all would bring back Nick Fitzgerald. I think that would work out great. I mean, it did the last when he the last time he played LSU, we won thirty seven to seven, so it worked out pretty how, well. How many years ago was that, Rusty? <laughs> that's two thousand seventeen. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's been a minute. <laughs> yeah, that's my point. Not that he I said wasn't, it was a joke. Yeah. It was obviously a joke. Bring back Joe Moorhead while you're at it too. <laughs> anyway, we're moving right along with that one into Drew. I, you know, I fancy us pretty smart fellas when it comes to picking college football games, but I, our Instagram followers might be more smarter. Yeah, I I do not in the slightest consider you smart when it comes to picking games against the spread. In <laughs> fact, I think you were quite an idiot when it comes to picking games against the spread. I'll Maybe not this about, week, I'm about but to, I'll a remember track that about record, five minutes. track record speaks. I'll remember that in about five minutes. <laughs> remember so. when you used to do bucks, I mean, uh, buckets picks and Ooh. you went like over seven every week. <laughs> no, I, I won a couple the second and third time, but that first time was ugly. <laughs> One and six. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, you joined me in my misery this week. So last yeah. week we picked eight games. Um, I did get Texas right. So Drew and I both went three and five against the spread okay. last week. So we are tied at three and five. So those comments might be being an idiot. Right back at you. We're both right, three So what and games five. did I win? So I Drew won Ole Miss, won Texas, Texas, Ole Miss, uh, Oklahoma, uh, Texas, Ole Miss, and Oklahoma were the three okay. that you won. And then I won the Ole Miss, Wake Forest, and Oklahoma game. And then we put it out to our Instagram followers. Again, we had one of our highest participations in 
the history of the Two Bucks Sports Podcast. So shout go. out everybody that participated. We really appreciate it. Um, our listeners went four and four. They were one game better than us. So hey, nice job to our Instagram followers. That's that ain't bad. It's five hundred. You play five hundred yeah. football and you can't beat that most that, years. Hey, so. when you're at the casino, if you go five hundred, you can play a long time. A long time. That <laughs> gets you to baseball hall of fame. So yep. our listeners got they went sixty nine percent on Alabama, got that one wrong. Yeah. Um they lost on A and M uh with fifty eight percent on A and M, but they went sixty two percent on App State. Our our listeners were fading North Carolina at nineteen points and so and nice they job. won that one. Yeah. They won that one. Nice job, upset alert for sure. Our listeners um picked Auburn at seventy seven percent, so they got that one wrong with us. Our listeners picked Wake Forest at ninety two percent. They know ball. Um Wake Forest won that game. They picked Oklahoma at eighty two percent. And they picked Ole Miss at 64%. And then we were dead even, 50-50, at Mississippi State and Arizona. So, again, yeah. thank you all for participating. We really appreciate it. means a lot to us. I will say, if we back up even further. I got Colorado right, too. You missed me on that one. Uh-oh, we didn't pick Colorado. It wasn't one of our games. We, I think you said that was like when you were like in, earlier in the game, okay. but of our official we, picks. We didn't pick that one? No, I, I left that one off. I thought okay. about it when I was watching it. Um. And then last week we posted our top four for our yeah. playoff prediction, and our listeners said thirty-six uh, percent said that y'all are both crazy. Yes. Nine percent said that Drew's list was correct. That was probably just my vote. Fifty-five percent said that mine was better. So hail yeah, state well, to all of our listeners yeah, out there. That's the that was the deciding factor is how many Mississippi State fans voted. Listen, I think it was more Alabama and Michigan, but anyway, we still just letting y'all know. I think we uh, got again, a lot of Michigan fans, or <laughs> probably. But again, thank y'all so much for participating. In those those are fun. We really enjoy that. Um, we've got some more picks coming up at the end of the show. We'll definitely put those out there. So we'll be posting those again and and see where you're at. So Drew, you watched a lot of college football this week. So uh, give me some thoughts on what you saw. Yeah. So uh, first off, I I text you because I remember saying that. Uh, you know, I text you and I was like, I don't know. I just feel really bad about picking Colorado. For some reason, I thought we picked the Colorado game and I so, picked Colorado. I remember and I you talked highly about Colorado. You picked it when we talked about the game yeah. that they were going to be undefeated going into Oregon, but it, I, I missed and it was not but, one of our official picks. But what I I just got to listening to College Game Day and listen to people talk and seeing the betting trends and the trend that always scares me is like ninety percent of the money was on Colorado, but the line was not moving. You would think mm-hmm. if all the money comes in, they're going to raise the line to discourage people from betting Colorado. So it's almost like Vegas was welcoming everybody. Just keep betting on Colorado. And any time that Vegas takes in that much money on one side and leaves the line, that's a flashing red light for me because those casinos and resorts in Las Vegas are not built on them losing bets. And they took a bath on Colorado this week. And so I told you, I, I wish that I would have taken Nebraska. It turns out I was right. And then I was wrong. So, uh, yeah. cause, cause Colorado just boat race, Nebraska, Nebraska has one of the two worst quarterbacks I've seen this year. Whoa. Uh, that one, that guy and the uh, Arizona quarterback was awful. Yeah. Um, we'll get to that, but yeah, so that's what I watched then the morning, the 11 o'clock, time zone there we watched uh a lot of colorado nebraska and it really just got out of hand uh then we watched uh old miss I went over to my dad's house uh like we try to do we try to watch most games together me and my dad and 
Um, we'll just get into Ole Miss, Mississippi State. How's that sound? That's where I can. Do you want to get into that now? Yeah, or? sounds good to me. Where's okay. me, buddy? Because I mean, there's. We'll talk about Alabama and Texas, but outside of that. Yeah, I mean the only ones I had, say, yeah. yeah, the only ones I had queued up. Auburn won a, co- a collegiate football game with 230 yards of total offense. So if yeah. Auburn's bad, Cal is worse. I was then, wrong about that. I should have known it. Justin Wilcox is a really good defensive-minded coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's never got any players. He, they can't score uh, touchdowns in American mm-hmm. football. Yeah. Uh, they're kind of like Iowa of Northern mm-hmm. California. Yeah. Um, they've got a really good defense, and it's hard to go play there. And I, I wish I could find – I saw a tweet like yesterday, and I meant to like it, and I didn't. Um, I don't know why I didn't, but it was talking about – like what you were to your point earlier is the last thing I'll say before I shut up. Let's talk about Ole Miss. But um, Dion against Vegas and just how much money they're losing and how he is an absolute nightmare. Because like right. you're saying, the money pours in on him, but people believe in him. But on paper, per Vegas and per stats, looking at last year in history trends – Colorado shouldn't be good. They're no. not factoring in the fact that they had 44 transfer players. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they got 86 new players on the team this year. I mean, that's it, yeah. Uh, and how, if you're Vegas and you are a handicapper, how can you even start to put a line on this when you vir- virtually know nothing? What Vegas is going to end up doing now is making these – you, you can tell me in a minute, I'm sure, what the line on Colorado, Colorado State is, but I imagine it is massive because Vegas at this point is just going to try – to win on the other side Mm -hmm. you know they're they're going to try to make this line so big to where they can get even money because people are wanting to bet on colorado um yep absolutely so um Ole Miss and Tulane uh word came out it kind of was talked about all week that Michael Pratt may not play he he kind of got up gimpy late in their week one game and uh had a bone bruise in his knee you know it was you kind of all week thought, you know, he's banged up, but there's no way he won't play. But uh, early on, or getting close to game time around lunchtime on Saturday, word got out that Michael Pratt was not going to play for Tulane. And that immediately I was like, okay, well, that's a win. You know, it's a win for Ole Miss. What I thought, you know, I came on this podcast at 14 to 17 point win for Ole Miss with Michael Pratt. Um, is what I was expecting. Uh, I thought we'd just blow the doors off of them at that point. Turns out maybe the team did as well. Um, <laughs> Kai, um, shoot, I just went blank on the, the cat's name, the backup quarterback for Tulane. He got off to a really hot start. Uh, Rusty, what I think happened in this game is what happens to most teams when you play your first game of importance against a team that uh, – that's could be could be equal to you um is mercer provided no resistance at all and i came out here and i was like you know they were terrible but they're terrible but we put up 73 points we beat them as bad as we possibly could have it's as good as you could have done against mercer but what happened is you didn't get those meaningful reps for that no-name team that you played in week one so you go to Tulane in New Orleans. It's 93 degrees. So hot. And it's uh, it feels like 100 and something on the field. It's 2.30. And Tulane just hit us in the mouth. And they did it. They, they didn't blow the doors off of us by any means. But at, at the line of scrimmage was very, very concerning for me as an Ole Miss fan watching that game because offensively and defensively, our line was going backwards. 
uh, at the snap every time. It was uh, it was a pretty. You know, we started the game the same way we started against uh, Mercer. Three plays, touchdown drive. This is easy. This is just like cake. And then just like Mercer, we let Tulane drive down and score and tie us. And from that point forward, it was Tulane's game for the half. Uh, going into the half, it was uh, uh, 24-14. Is that right, Rusty? Uh, yes. 24-17. I'm sorry. 17, I, should, 20, I think it's 24-17. Uh, it was... Yeah. Uh, because it was like a touchdown game at the half. So it was uh, 17 to 10 at yeah, the half. Yeah, 17 to 10. It was so, spread. Yeah, at the half, it's very discouraging. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins has not been himself, and I think that goes two ways. One, uh, the offensive line, like I said, has not been getting any push, but two, he is not breaking any tackles. Uh, it's what made him so special last year is he, he was slippery. You know, he's not a scat back. He's not small by any means, but he was very elusive and he was very slippery and he bounced off a lot of would-be tacklers. It seemed like the first guy never got him down last year. And so I don't know mm-hmm. if, if he's adjusting, if he's ramping up and they're, uh, you know, maybe he just doesn't have his sea legs yet. Uh, I know the offensive line struggles uh, is attributing to this as well, but I'm starting to get a little concerned about that. He had 40 yards rushing. I do believe on uh, yeah 18 carries for 48 yards. That's less than three yards a carry. Um, just wasn't was not pretty for him against Tulane. Uh, but as a team, you come out of halftime, and it says a lot about uh, Pete Golding. He made some really good adjustments at half. It was 17 to 10 at the half. You outscored Tulane 20 to three in the second half, and they never they figured it out. You know, I think I think when you go up against, and I feel like I'm being a little scatterbrained, so I hope everybody's staying with me here, but when you plan for a guy like Michael Pratt, who is as dynamic as Michael Pratt, and it's not a given that he's not playing, and it's a team with Tulane that you know doesn't really have a too-deep at quarterback, they did not prepare for somebody to sit in the pocket like, uh, like Kai Horton did. Uh, and so they planned for for Michael Pratt. The game plan was for Michael Pratt. Um, and then when it came out that he wasn't playing, they just ran with the Michael Pratt game, Michael Pratt game plan. And when Kyle Horton sat in the pocket and threw deep balls, uh, it kind of worked in Tulane's favor, but some key adjustments were made at the half. Kyle Horton struggled mightily uh, in the second half. He ended up 15 for 37, 231, a touchdown and a pick. And so it just was not a good game for him by the end of it. Uh, the score actually is more lopsided than it actually was because of a late uh, scoop and score by the defense. Ole Miss was up 10, uh, had a scoop and score by Jared Ivey uh, that made it 17. It made my prediction correct because I said 14 to 17 points. Um, I will still take 100% credit for that despite it being a defensive <laughs> touchdown. Um so uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about is something that I haven't seen from Ole Miss in a long time. Uh, and I don't want to get in. I don't want to be the guy that's talking about kickers. But I don't know. Did you watch this game, Rusty? Were you watching the, I watched the back until half of this game? Uh, about the end of the third quarter is when we started getting ready to go. 
So you know Lane is is Mr. Um, is, he's Joey Freshwater. He's a he's going to shoot from the hip. He's going to put it. He's he likes to uh, he plays football the way James Holzhauer plays Jeopardy. You know he like he goes all yeah. in. And in a seven point game, uh, late in the fourth quarter, about five four uh, I think it was in like between three and five minutes to go in the quarter. Ole Miss has got the ball in the two lane thirty ish yard line. Uh, it's fourth and one and Ole Miss lines up to go for it and gets a false start and it backs them up to the it'll back them up to the 39 yard line. It's where it ended up being. So 35 yard line. Uh fourth and six from the 39. And this is textbook. Lane's gonna go for it. Uh try to try to end it here. But what he did is he reverted back to Lane Kiffin circa Oakland Raiders and trotted the kicker out there to attempt a 56-yard field goal, uh, which would missing it would give Tulane the ball at the 40-yard line, down by seven with plenty of time and timeouts. It was just the biggest pit in my stomach when I saw him drop, you know, trot that kicker out there. And dang it, if that dude didn't absolutely pipe it from 56 would have been good from 66 mm-hmm. i've never yelled over a kick a field goal <laughs> kick in my life uh and just it shows the confidence lane has in the kicker we've got two kickers for some reason they're both good the one that made it they're both names both of their names are caden uh and so the caden that that got out there and kicked that 56 yarder to win it uh hats off to that guy that iced it uh, like I said, a strip sack and a scoop and score put us up 17 and, and let us start dancing uh, as that game went down. Uh, but I think it was a good tune-up. And I think that I think that coaches, especially SEC, you, I know Nick Saban loves it and, and Kiffin a, is a Saban disciple. You love it when you almost lose to teams that, you should beat. I, I truly believe that Nick Saban likes the team to get scared because he will have a whole week lane wheel of telling this team, you played like crap. You're lucky you won that game. You should have gotten beat by Tulane. A freaking American team came out and was beating you by 10 at the half. Like this game, you played unacceptable. You'd need to get on your knees and thank God that you were able to escape with a win. That's what he is thriving on that kind of rhetoric this week going into Georgia Tech this week, Alabama next week. It's the tune-up that you want, and I hope that Ole Miss comes out and just lays waste to Georgia Tech this week. I think they are a, what, 27-point favorite? Um, No, I'm sorry, 18-point favorite. I was thinking of Georgia. They're an 18-point favorite at home against Georgia Tech this weekend. Uh, I hope they beat them by 35 again and go in with as much confidence in week four headed to um, headed to Alabama for week four with as much confidence as possible. So a couple thoughts, cause I did watch a lot of that game. <clears throat> I think uh, the more talented team obviously won and pulled away late. Ole Miss should have more depth than, than Tulane sec. Um, absolutely should have more depth. I think if Mike Pratt plays in that game, it's a whole, we're having a whole different conversation. I don't know that do. Tulane can find a way to win, but I think they have a much better shot. And especially with, I was. I think the biggest thing that surprised me was the push that Tulane was able to get 
uh, on the offensive and defensive line. They were clearing some running lanes. They had success um, in the trenches in the first half. What I watched in the third quarter was what I expected to happen. Ole Miss ended up pulling away. Ole Miss was right. clearly the better team, and they just leaned on them. I am a little bit surprised, like you said, with Judkins' uh, absence so far this year. As of right now, statistically and from the the PFF stats, the best running back in the state of Mississippi is Ian Starville, which I was completely surprised by, and I think he gets it together. It's still early. Ole Miss is still piecing it together. Um, Judkins is obviously a stud. Yeah. And he will obviously get it together. But I was a little surprised that he didn't have more success against a tired two-lane defense in the second half. Because even coming out of halftime, like the push that they were getting in the first half was gone. And Ole Miss was having some success moving two-lane's defensive line. <clears throat> but he just didn't look the same. Well, in game script, so uh, to go back to Mercer, and then I want to hit on the depth thing you brought up just a minute ago. Um, go back to Mercer. Mercer just decided they're only going to do one thing and they're going to put eight people in the box. And that's why Jackson Dart led the whole country in QBR. The P- highest graded PFF passer uh, in week one was Jackson Dart. And it's because he had solo matchups because they were selling out against Judkins. Uh, this week, offensive line was obviously a problem. Uh, game script was a problem because you got down 10. Can't uh, he's not, he is not really catching a lot of balls out of the backfield. I wish he would get more. He, he gets a few, but game script-wise, they like to run him, uh, and it kind of got behind it. When it didn't work, we were going three and out a lot. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of had to pivot, and then they put the ball back in Jackson Dart's hands, and that's when they, they came back and then separated themselves is when they put the ball in Jackson Dart's hands. Uh, regarding the depth, Ole Miss depth is really struggling right now uh, at skill positions. At wide receiver, um, our boy um, Sakari Franklin, they're aiming for him to come back for Alabama. He still hadn't played. I don't think he's going to play for against Georgia Tech this weekend. It's a hamstring, right? One of the hamstrings. Yeah, it's a knee. I think it was. Uh, I think he had his knee scoped in the off season. But then um, our boy, I'm sorry. The older I get, the worse I get with names. Um, you telling me? Uh, Trey Harris. Trey Harris, who in two games has caught five touchdowns, really in one game and one drive, he's caught five touchdowns, but then he had an MRI sprain. He's going to be out four weeks. You've got uh, one tight end that's playing. Michael Trigg, who is Mr. Undependable anyways, uh, is the only tight end playing because Priest Corner is yet to play. Uh, um, the cat from uh, Hudson Wolf from – uh, Hardin County High School mm-hmm. uh, on his first catch against Mercer. Uh, bum, got a bum shoulder, so he's not playing. And so that, I think, is one of the bigger aspects to Judkins' struggles is that you're really just got five guys on the offensive line that's blocking for you. And in Lane's scheme, he does use a lot of tight ends right next to the line to chip. Uh, and even big receivers, you know, he used Mingo a lot to chip you know, motion him across the line to chip the end or the outside linebacker. You just don't have the personnel there right now that Lane likes to run the ball behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, they're not seizing ending injuries, so um, hopefully you can ramp up once you get healthy and you start mm-hmm. seeing a more normal rushing attack from Quinshawn Judkins. I mean, he is the SEC leading rusher last year, uh, freshman of the year, 1,500 yards rushing and 17 touchdowns. I mean, he's good. He didn't yeah. lose that. 
No. So you've got to figure out how to make him successful despite having depth issues out wide and at your time to end position. Yeah, because like the biggest difference, like you said, he's breaking tackles last year, but he was breaking those tackles at the linebacker position. Right. He's now but being on hit the, the second the level. That's he's right. getting hit in the backfield, and it's really hard because he's not a big guy. He's great at shucking tackles, but bigger guys are like are better at meeting those defensive linemen in the backfield and still turning into something positive. When Tulane you know, was getting that big push in the middle and meeting him two yards deep, there was just nothing he could do. You know, he's nowhere near – you're talking about big running backs. He's nowhere near the Yeti that is Derrick Henry. But the most effective I ever saw anybody run a, a defense against Derrick Henry was that 2015 team that went to Tuscaloosa and won. It's because they were running a 3-5 three, three, defense with five def- running a dime on the back half, and then they were chipping him at his knees every time in the backfield just because you were all you if you don't let him get ahead of steam, mm-hmm. he's easy to tackle. Mm-hmm. But if you let him get to trucking, you're not going to tackle him. And it's kind of the same thing with all running backs. It, it, if yeah, you, and if you can't make people like miss if you're standing still. Right. You know? It just and when you're isn't. immediately getting the ball from Jax's dart and there's a defensive lineman that right. you're having to like negotiate around instead of getting that two or three-yard head start, it completely takes away your momentum you know, and it completely changes the game. You know, they like to say like the, with uh, – Barry Sanders and all those guys, like they can make a miss in a phone booth. You know, you can I can make you miss in a phone booth. Well, that's true, but you're still you've got like momentum. You know, uh, very rarely, probably Barry Sanders is the only person I've ever seen that jukes somebody as he's standing still receiving a football. You know, Barry Sanders, Ladainian Tomlinson were the yeah. only ones that could generate yeah. forward momentum with a lateral step. Like like right. you said, like it's very difficult to have to make that move First. and then get running downhill. Like it takes two or three yards to get downhill. And if you give guys a chance to get to that, you know, then it then it's a much more successful run. But I agree, Barry Sanders and LT and Shady McCoy could yeah. generate forward momentum with a lateral step. They're the only running backs I've seen to do that. Yeah. So there's definitely areas to clean up, you know. Uh I'm glad that you that they struggled. Yeah, I, I like to see struggle. Wanna I want to see them. I want to see it early because, you know, it could be what Alabama went through, and you know, Texas is a whole nother beast, and we'll get to that. But to get popped in the mouth at your first real competition makes you wonder how good you are. Mm-hmm. If you if you get popped in the mouth and lose, you're just like, okay, maybe we're just bad. Mm-hmm. Instead of you know we. We got hit in the mouth. We saw some adversity. We came out the other side, tweaked these things, and maybe you can have a really successful season rather than starting off with a loss. You know? Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, like you said, sometimes these early losses, how many times have we seen Alabama lose early to Ole Miss or oh, LSU and then just go on a run, an absolute you know, freaking tear? That's what I told my wife and I told my dad when we were sitting there watching the Alabama game Saturday night. I was like, I don't want to be the second team to try to beat Alabama. I want to be the first team to try to beat Alabama. Hell hath no fury like a Nick Saban team after a loss. But we'll get into that here in a minute. Um, Do you want to talk about Mississippi State? Anything else you want to add about Ole Miss? No, no. uh, Just that uh, it was a test. Uh, It's not anywhere close to the best test you'll have this year. But I'm glad you you showed some composure. You showed some will. You, You showed a lot of fight. Been really impressed with Jackson Dart again. Uh, I don't think that team, if you play Tulane in the second half of last year's season, that that Ole Miss team folds. This team yeah. didn't. Yeah, so for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so Mississippi State played the late game. I'll be honest, again, I missed the the, the first three quarters. I watched him on Sunday while I was out killing time from waiting on my AC to, to catch back up. Um, but I saw the end of it, and I saw enough. And then watching the watching the replay, the Mississippi State offensive line's got to get better. That's kind of where we start. Very similar to Ole Miss. We, we struggled protecting Will Rogers. Um, what started off as a really, really good game, I'll back up Mississippi State. Uh, the first four possessions that Arizona had the football ended in a turnover and 14 Mississippi State points. We were up 14-7 at halftime with four turnovers. That should at least be 21-24 to nothing. Like, there is no reason that should be a one-touchdown game when you've created four turnovers in four drives. It, it was almost like Kevin Barbary, and he's new to the SEC position. Zach Garnett's a new head coach, and they both have come out and said, we were way too conservative, especially in the second half. And Zach Garnett said, I need to be more vocal about staying aggressive and, and putting these teams to bed. Um, but it's like he thought we were going to be able to run the football with success, and we did. I mean, Woody Marks finished with 123 yards rushing. He had a very good game, um, a lot of open lanes in the first half. They kind of went away in the second half, but Will Rogers was under pressure all night from a revamped um, off a defensive line for Arizona. Not the same D-line we faced last year. They had three transfer guys starting that played really, really well. Uh, but Woody Marks still averaged five yards of carry. Seth Davis, six yards of carry. Um, and we ended up pulling out a win. As you saw, we won it over time. It was definitely a test. But when you're up 21-7 in the third quarter, there's no reason that game should go to overtime. Kevin Barbary went super vanilla. Will Rogers only took 17 pass attempts in a football game. That's not balance. Like, we rushed for 145 yards. We threw for 162. Just a very, very pedestrian, vanilla offensive game. And I've seen crap on Gene's page and Twitter about, oh, we're saving film for LSU. Like, that's stupid. Why didn't we do that against Southeastern Louisiana? This is a Power 5 team that you need to open the playbook and beat. Question question your source when you're reading Gene's page. And when you're reading fan sites in general. That's why, (laughs) shout out, no free shout out. One of the best Twitter accounts is Message Board Geniuses. If you're not following it, Follow it right now. It is hilarious to listen to some of these takes about firing coaches and all this stuff, but I digress. Again, we're very balanced. We ran the ball a lot, threw the ball, should have thrown the ball more. Um, Run defense. Our defense looked great. Um, Honestly, it's not our defense. They gave our offense so many short fields, gave up 91 yards rushing. But that pass defense was a little tough. Shout out Jet Johnson. He had two interceptions from the the Mike position. Your SEC Defensive Player of the Week. Just a phenomenal football game. 11 tackles, two picks, two pass breakups. I think it was four tackles for a loss and a couple uh, quarterback pressures. Had a great football game. Yeah, he's he's up for a second contract, I think. (laughs) Yeah, this is ninth year in (laughs) Starville. I mean... Do you know if Mississippi State's got his bird rights, or is he going to enter free agency after Listen, this year? It was the same with Austin Williams. Austin <laughs> Williams there was nine years. Jet Johnson's there nine years. It is what it is, man. Um, had a great football game. A couple thoughts. Will Rogers has got to be more aggressive, and I think part of that's Kevin Barbary, and part of that's Will Rogers may not be able to stretch the field. But we've got to be able to stretch the field against some of these teams. We're just going to get congested, and Woody Marks is not going to get his running lanes. A true running quarterback is going to absolutely wreck us. Delaria is a good rushing quarterback. He had a good rushing game. He was able to, you know, extend the plays, move the pocket, and, and create some some wins for him to the tune of 340 yards through the air. I mean, he had a he had he had a decent game. Jaden Daniels could possibly rush for 300 yards this weekend if we're not ready. It was nice having two so involved in the offense. He had two early touchdowns. You know, again, we played well. 
but you can't have five turnovers and only win by a, a, a touchdown in overtime. That cannot happen. We had five is, turnovers in the game. Is Tulu's real name uh, LaDietrich? Yeah, LaDietrich Griffin. Okay. Tulu's right. much easier. It rolls off the tongue a lot better. Well, I'll tell you um, what doesn't roll off the tongue. LaDietrich. No, it does not. What a name. <laughs> uh, yeah. Last couple thoughts. Um, our scheme was tough on defense, particularly the second half. Matt Brock is a young defensive coordinator. He was a linebacker coach last year. Arnett is completely trusting him with the play calling, and he's not interfering with it, and I appreciate that. But our scheme in the second half was rough. They, they, we allowed them to get back in the game. Part of that was the offensive ineptitude. I mean, crap, we, we forced a turnover. Jet Johnston had his second pick of the night with like two minutes to go, and we went three and out and punted right back to him. They get the game-time field goal to send it to overtime. Uh, shout out Jeffrey Pittman. Man, I love Mississippi. We were very underrated for our JUCO football system from, you know, I northeast, ICC, northwest, Colleen, East Mississippi, East Mississippi, Mississippi Gulf Coast. We have some dogs in the JUCO system. And Jeffrey Pittman is one of them. He transferred up from from uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast. He scored the winning the game winning touchdown. He's just a spark plug. He ain't real tall, but he's just short, stout. Caught a pass out in the flat and just willed a touchdown for us. Broke two tackles, scored the game-winning touchdown uh, that ultimately won us the game. But what we have to clean up, and it was so frustrating, like one of the things about Mike Leach and then Joe Moorhead before him, we were a very undisciplined, penalty-happy football team. Millions of penalties. I remember Drew, I think it was against Memphis. Against Memphis, it was, because I was so pissed. We got the opening kickoff, and on our first play from scrimmage, we got to delay a game. You have that play planned on Tuesday. Like, you know right. what you're running on Tuesday. And somehow, on the, like, there is 15 minutes still on the clock and you got to delay a game. Like, right. just mind numbing penalties. Well, in game one against Southeastern Louisiana, we had one penalty and it was an aggression penalty. We had right. a face mask on a kickoff. Like, that's a, that's a kid trying to make a play. Right. Against Arizona, we had nine penalties for 90 yards, including four holding calls, two false starts on the same kid. Like, those are Ooh. mental errors. Mental errors. Now, like you, holding calls are not always mental. They are, they are lack of speed if fair. you're on the offensive line. That, that's outmatched is when you hold it can more be. times it, than not. It can be. And it can just be a bonehead. Like the guys pass you and you just, instead of calling an Olay call, you grab some jersey. Right. But nine penalties for 90 yards after a one penalty first game. Got to get that cleaned up against LSU. But all in all, I feel good about our team. We, just like you were saying earlier, we had a close game. We had had success. You're up 21-7, and then they come roaring back, and you have to find – like, you have to dig deep, man. You were up two touchdowns, and now you're heading to overtime, right? right? You have to dig deep to win that football game. And championship teams – not that Mississippi State's the championship team, but good football teams win games like that. When you have and, no business winning, you find a way to win. And Woody Marks in overtime, that ball that he caught and took to the oh end zone, gosh. that was oh, Jeffrey that Pittman was the one that won the won the game. Oh, okay. Well, that was Stones. That that was a hard nose. Again, angry. Two, he broke two tackles and was like, "I am winning this football game." That's right. that Mississippi Gulf Coast transfer. Shout out Jeffrey Pittman, a product of South Mississippi, just a Mississippi kid making a play, and it was a hundred percent a will play, like you said, in a game that we had no business winning after being up two touchdowns, but. Good teams find ways to win that game, and I'm like you. We've got LSU coming to town next week, and we go two on our first road game to South Carolina on the 23rd. Um, it was our, it was a good test. It, it tested our moxie. It tested our mettle, and we found a way to win. 
was it it was ugly i hated how we won it was just like there's no business for it to be that close but i'm really proud that we found a way to win and i think that's going to give us some momentum heading into lsu all right so these are my notes that i had uh and i'll be honest with you uh i felt i felt like uh going into this season i wanted to be fair and i had some i had some hypotheses i had some ideas that i wanted to test out uh, and you wanted to be a homer and not admit the possibility that it could be <laughs> look that it could look a lot different for Will Rogers, and I feel like I was right. Uh, but of course you one, I, I'm well. I mean, I'm going to go through it here. Uh, first thing you said, uh, offensive line is not built to run the system. That's another. It's a point that I made. They they are not big enough to run the system that Kevin Barbary wants to run. Do you object? Uh, kind of because we have a because like we what we returned is our big offensive line. We had a transfer in Percy Lewis who's now playing tackle, and I don't know that it's size. It's well, different. It's different because we used to have three yard splits, and now we're right on top of one another. So it's a right. different. It is a different scheme. You're but out, given you the correct. given the three yard splits though, when you when you pack it in tighter, Kevin Barbary wants a bigger offensive lineman as a model, and that that was my point. And it was never going to be as extreme as Brett Bielema to Chad Morris, but that <laughs> that's the that's the parallel, that a much lighter parallel that I was trying to draw. But uh, you're right, 14 points off of four turnovers in the first half is deplorable. It, it's that's bad. Uh, but Will Rogers, I like Will. Will is a a super dude. I know people that know him intimately personally um in fact this guy that i know who is a close work friend of mine uh he is so close with will's father that he cheers for mississippi state when they're not playing on miss he loves will rogers he's a good kid he vouched for him he he told me it would probably be best if he transferred uh <laughs> Uh, because of the system that's run, I mean, you laid it out here, and I don't—I'm not taking a victory lap, but I do think that it—it's concerning going forward because Will Rogers, who is at his most lethal, is run, is throwing the ball around the field. You're right; he doesn't have a cannon that's never been his strong suit. It's never going to be his ticket anywhere. But it's timing. It's repetitive. It is—it uh, is execution. That's his game. It's executing in a wide open offense for him to only throw the ball 17 times in a game at home, uh, a game in which you were winning by multiple scores. Most of the game to only throw the ball 17 times does not allow him to get into the rhythm that he would get into. Cause when, when, even if he started slow under those leech teams, it was undeniable. Once it got rolling, you could not stop him. He mm-hmm. cannot get into a rhythm only throwing the ball 17 times. And that's, at, that's you know, he completed 13 of 17. It's efficient. With, but. It's efficient, but, I mean, it's 162 yards. There is no balance on offense. Like, I mean, you said that they're balanced. And, you know, they ran the ball, what, 29 or uh, 39 times. 39 so, times to 17 pass attempts. It's not balanced. And, it, in fact, it is the exact opposite end of the spectrum that it was last year. 
So comment to that. You're absolutely right. I'm in in yardage. We were balanced, but not in play selection. Right. That's what I got at that. Both Kevin Barbary and Zach Arnett said that we made mistakes in game plan. It's like Kevin Barbary got stuck on running the football and couldn't let it go. And you're a hundred percent right. Will Rogers is a very efficient quarterback, but he's very similar to like when Mark Ingram was at Alabama, Mark Ingram was one of those guys that needed 15, 18 carries right. to get in a rhythm. Will Rogers needs 20, 25 passes to get in a rhythm because he's very efficient. On those of those 17 passes, he completed 13 of them with a nine and a half yard average. That's a healthy, healthy chunk on his plays. Because again, Will Rogers does not have the cannon yeah, to throw he, the ball 30, 40 yards, no, you're right. but he, he can averages, hit those 10 to 15 yard passes with ease. But he needs some peak, rhythm to get into it. At his peak, at his best, the what what all we know, mm-hmm. all that we've seen is the three year. You know, I think is this his fourth year starting or his third year? Third uh, year starting. Third year starting. Everything that we've seen is him being super efficient, commanding an offense, and being very efficient and very good running a system in which it is catch the snap, step, step, throw. Catch mm-hmm. and it's timing, it's repetitive. It's that it's, eight to twelve. It lulls yards. you to sleep. It's the it is the equip the twenty twenty three equivalent to three yards in a cloud of dust that they used to just is death by a thousand paper cuts. Yeah. But that is, that is, Will Rogers, that is Will Rogers. And that is the reason why I, going into the season, not because I'm a hater, not because I'm an Ole Miss fan, but that is the reason why I was worried that he was not going to be the guy for this system. Cause if he's only throwing the ball 17 times in a power five game at home, then are you? Do you really expect Kevin Barbary to throw the ball thirty times against LSU at home this weekend? Yes, because of what they've said in their press conferences. They realize they made mistakes. They realize they had. Again, he's learning. He's growing. Last week he threw the ball twenty nine times, which is much more like what we need. But in those seventeen passes this year, this week he still he threw for three touchdowns. He completed the majority of them, and I think Barbary is learning on the job. You know, it's one thing to be the the OC. I was excited because he did good things at App State. It's one thing to be the OC at App State. It's a whole different animal to be the OC at Mississippi State. Yeah. And I think we're going to see some growth heading into LSU. LSU struggles against some things that we do well. They also excel against things that we don't do well. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. We'll get to game predictions here in just a little bit. I still feel good going into that game. I still feel like Mississippi State is going to upset somebody this year. Um, But it's not going to be with Will Rogers throwing the ball 17 times. We have to throw the ball more. I will end with this in case you think I'm just being a hater. If you can split the difference – the biggest problem with Leach is that he was one dimensional. Mm-hmm. He ran the ball using short passes. Yep. You know, yeah. uh, when you drop eight, it, it, you're not going to throw the ball very well. And that's when Mississippi state struggled. And for some reason, the only time they ever tried to run the ball was against Ole Miss <laughs> and ran so, with success. <laughs> yeah. But that is exactly my point. So mm-hmm. if you can thread the needle here and somehow, uh, be more consistent, not just in, yardage at the end of the game but also play uh actually play design when it comes to the splits between rushing attempts and passing attempts if you can be i mean i guess this may just sound obvious but if you can be balanced and effective that is obviously your that could be a yeah. better off lead for a better offensive system than what leach had because yeah. yeah. leach was gimmicky leach was running his seven plays on an index card and that was that 
So maybe if you can if you can figure out, obviously Woody Marks is really really good. Uh, obviously, uh, if given the opportunity in the system, uh, Will Rogers can be very very good. If you can figure out how to be balanced, mm-hmm. then I'm that Mississippi State team is is not devoid of talent. Mm-hmm. It's all what the only question I've ever had is how scheme fits personnel this this yeah. year and yeah. and. You'll be honest with you. Uh, I think that if you ask, if you ke- gave Kevin Barbary truth serum, he licks his lips over Mike White a little bit. Probably, and I think that's why Mike Wright comes back next year, which we'll get into that more as the season progresses. I think Will Rogers moves on because the system may fit Mike Wright a little bit better. But you're absolutely right. You know, Woody Marks, shout out, man. He was the highest rated SEC running back this past weekend, 88.9, according to uh, to PFF College Football. Had a phenomenal football game. He's a great running back, but can only do so much, you know. We swung the pendulum too far the other way, like you were saying. We, yeah, 24 for 123 and 1 is an incredible stat line. And then Absolutely. he caught four passes for 32 yards. So I mean, yeah. the guy is an absolute weapon. And, you know, I miss Dylan Brooks. He was a great running back, but we got the better you miss of who? the two. Uh, uh, Dylan Brooks. Uh, there was. I messed <laughs> up my name tonight. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Two Bucks Sports Podcast. On the Zebo episode of the Two Bucks Sports Podcast, Dylan Brooks has crept <sighs> out of, of Rusty's subconscious. Dylan Johnson, who transferred to Washington. We made it almost an hour before I messed up a name. I'll take that, man. That's a win. That's a win. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, now the podcast can begin. Uh, But Woody Marks is a great SEC running back. He's going to have some big games. But if we're going to beat LSU this weekend, we're going to have to be more balanced. And I do think If you're going to beat LSU this weekend, you've got to have a perfect game. I mean, LSU is really good. They are. We'll get into this in a minute. Um. Other two games of note, we kind of highlighted it, but uh, is Texas A&M the new Clemson that they're gonna they're gonna A&M once every no, year or every that's year? That's an insult to Clemson. Because <laughs> A&M, A&M, they had no business losing to Miami in front of 2,500 fans, 2,200 of them being A&M fans. They just absolutely crapped the bed. Um, Miami is not good. Like no. I'm not like, taking away from that. Like taking away from their win, you know, great job to Chris Ball and his staff. Like that's a good win uh, for them. But Miami's not a good football team. I feel robbed because I feel like Ole Miss has always beaten them and been like the last nail in the their coffin, like mm-hmm. taking away all their hopes and dreams on that one Ole Miss game every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's giving Ole Miss too much credit. Just kind of seems where Ole Miss played Texas A&M in the in the calendar every year, that loss was just kind of like, all right, we're done. But um, to get a loss on the road at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami in front of Wolf. tens of people, uh, <laughs> that that's bad. We we keep waiting on the meltdown, the Petrino Jimbo meltdown uh, right there. It's coming sooner than you think because <laughs> it, it was funny, actually. Uh, some podcasts I listened to, some some college football neutral podcast. It's not Ole Miss. It's not, as you say, it's not SEC. But uh, they were kind of raving about how Connor Wegman looked uh, mm-hmm. with Petrino after, calling the play right. after that one game against nobody. Mm-hmm. And they're like, something's different about this. It looks competent. It, look, it flows. It's got, a, it's got a theme. It's got a purpose. And then to go and lose at Miami is just hysterical. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Wegman threw for 336 on 53 passes with a QBR of 83 at two touchdowns, two picks. Like, not fine all on his game. shoulders. Fine game, but, like, you have but no you business losing 
48 points. 48 points, yeah. To Miami, who's like been inept since uh, uh, the two live crew in 1999. Like they have yeah. not done anything in a generation. And you go down there and got embarrassed after, like you said, it was the whole, they got the Texas treatment, which we'll get to Texas here in a minute. Like, oh, they're back. They beat up on somebody. This is their year. They figured out Bobby Petrino. And then they went and laid an egg. And they they got blitzed in the secondary in particular. Mm. Tyler Van Dyke, 21 for 30, 374, and five touchdowns, no picks. As a team, including sacks, because for some reason – uh, sacks Stupid. go down as rushing yards. They, as a team, only rush for 77 yards. <laughs> yeah. Ole Miss transfer Henry Parrish had 50, their leading uh, carrier, but they only rushed the ball 24 times. Yeah. Um, Xavier yeah. Restrepo, six yeah. for 126. Uh, Jacoby George, average. five for 94 and three. I mean, they just lit up the secondary. Yeah. Uh, they didn't even try to run the ball. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they wow. did enough. I mean, they, they, they did run the ball 24 times but like through the air that was putrid yeah for uh miami i mean and then go ahead that's a that's efficiency from tyler van dyke going 21 for 30 and just like you said man just absolutely lit them up they moved the ball at will like every every drive they moved the ball they didn't really um struggle with anything a&m was up at one point 17 to 7 and it's like oh maybe a&m's gonna figure it out and then miami just came out in the second half and just blew the doors off of them i mean they scored at halftime it was 21 17 uh miami and they never looked back i mean just absolutely torched them in the second half and Miami didn't play a clean game either. They had 10 penalties for 115 yards, had had a fumble lost. Your favorite stat, time of possession. Uh, <laughs> Texas A&M dominated that, had five more minutes of possession than Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was funny. The only thing that could have been better is that Cal knocked off Hugh Freeze in the nightcap in <laughs> Berkeley. Yeah. But, um, but that's coming. You yeah, can't win yeah. too many SEC games with 230 yards of offense. Yeah, so uh, – Let's talk Alabama and Texas. Holy smokes, man. What a game. It was a game, and I walked out. I, I say I walked out of that game. I phrase it as if I was there. You were and, there. You know, when you, when you, everybody knows this feeling if you've been to a college football game, especially the teams that, if you're watching a team that you love, uh, the walk to the car, whether win or loss, is probably the best reflection time when you're thinking about sports ever is mm-hmm. the walk back to the car. I'll never forget the walk back to the car. After Laquan broke his ankle and fumbled going into the end zone against Auburn, I'll never forget the walk back to the car after fourth and 25. I'll never forget the walk back to the car after Ole Miss beat Chris Sleek when I was 10 years old. My dad dropped me on the field uh, in <laughs> in Oxford, and I went up and asked Mike Espy and everybody for their their uh, their gloves. You know, <laughs> my dad thought that I like I the walk to the car. That's how mm-hmm. I fr- that's how I think about this thing as if I'm walking to the car. That could be a great uh, segment sponsored by our future sponsors is the walk yeah. to the car. Uh walk to the car brought to you by Healy's. Roll <laughs> don't just walk, roll to the car. <laughs> Raise your scooters. We scoot <laughs> yeah. to the car. <laughs> yeah. Uh scoot to the car brought to you by Healy's. But <laughs> as I was thinking about it after the game, Texas just beat them. Like the, yeah. I've seen Ole Miss beat Alabama twice in my lifetime, recently in my lifetime. You know, you and every time it made me so mad because Alabama fans were like, oh yeah, well, we turned the ball over five times in 2015, and Quincy Adebojo mm-hmm. caught a ball that bounced off of old Harrison's dome, 
yeah. uh, and took it to the house. Like, y'all didn't deserve that. We gave it away. Alabama fans can't say that about that game against Texas. No. Because and it was and what was weird, Drew, about this one was it was the fourth quarter. Historically, in the fourth quarter yeah. is when Alabama beats you. They wear you down, and in the fourth quarter, they're the one pulling away. Going into that third quarter or that fourth quarter, Alabama had just scored with 14 seconds left to go up 16-13, and it felt like this is it. This is when Alabama pulls away and wins and this football game. And they just in 55 seconds, time. 55 seconds into the fourth quarter, a, uh, Texas snatched the lead back and never gave it up. And they out-athleted Alabama. That was my biggest takeaway is Alabama is going to win a ton of football games this year. They're probably going to win nine, yeah, ten football win games. And they're going to play in a New Year's Six Bowl. I still think they have an outside shot if Miro figures it out to win the West. They're not out of the mix by any means. But – they are not the Alabama of old. That was one of the first times I have seen Alabama get out-athleted in a long time. They have played teams that were better. They have played teams that schemed better. But that was the first time that they were the not, not the most talented team on the field that I have seen in a long time outside of maybe a Georgia game. They really were out-athleted in that fourth quarter and credit Quinn Ewers, credit Steve Sarkeesian for having a game plan that was efficient and effective. And they made an emphatic statement that Texas may not be back because that's always a joke, right? Texas is back. They're back, but they are well on their way back to national relevance. Right. If, if they can continue this momentum, because how many times has Texas won a big game and Texas and is back laid an and then laid an egg in the next two weeks. Yeah. Some notes from this game that, uh, it always, if Alabama loses, you can always look at one category. They had ten penalties for ninety yards. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they they killed themselves again with penalties. Um, so uh, Texas had three hundred and fifty yards of offense. Alabama had two hundred and fifty. Alabama, we talk about their strength and Jalen Milrow's strength being the, his ability to rush the ball. He rushed the ball 15 times for 44 yards. Jace McClellan, 12 for 45. As a team, they rushed for 107 yards of, of do that. rushing yards. Uh, no rushing touchdowns. Uh, the only two touchdowns they scored were through the air. Uh, Jermaine Burton caught that incredible. The oh Milrose highlight tape at the end of the year will have that throw to that Jermaine Burton in the corner of the end zone. Dart. If you watch one play of college football, you would think he was going to be the number one pick in the draft based on that put one it, throw. He put it in a bucket, yeah. man. What a great throw. Uh, Quinn Ewers was great. 350 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. You cannot beat Alabama if you turn the ball over. And Texas uh, didn't. And Texas did not. I think uh, they, they had, had two no fumbles. turnovers. They had two fumbles, and they recovered both of them. Yeah. Uh, as I said, Alabama had 10 penalties for 90 yards. Texas had four for 10. Uh, it's the little things. You, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to come at the the top dog, you better not miss. That's it. Come you, at the king, you, know, you best not miss. From yeah, the shout come out to at the, the king, wire. you best not miss. And you can the little things will kill you when you're coming at the king. Yeah. And they took care of their business. They they made their bed that morning. They paid close attention to all details, and yeah. they just went to Tuscaloosa and won. And just just took the game from them. They they out athleted Alabama and Alabama friends do not fret. I mean, your schedule is still very favorable. You get uh, some tough games at home. Um, your East opponents are Tennessee and Kentucky. Like it's still a very manageable schedule. But on that field, at least that day, Texas was was far and away the more talented, better football team. Especially again, like I just go back to that fourth quarter. You know, 
how often, Drew, have we seen it where it's a close game at the end of the third and then Alabama just leans on you for 15 minutes and before you know it, you've lost by 10 points? Well, and this team is the team that can do that. Uh, that theoretically, right. it seems that they're going back to those early 2000s teams when you're talking about Richardson and Mark Ingram. And, yeah, you know they're wanting to, to lay on you until you pass out. They're wanting to submit you. Mm-hmm. And... Texas responded every single time. It was so it was so impressive. Uh, they jumped up to number three, I think, in the polls, uh, and it was a well deserved three based yeah. on, I mean, that performance. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the best win of the year. And, and don't look now, but uh, Ole Miss has the best SEC win of the year, and it's not even close right now. The yes. best win by an SEC team of the year. Yes, again, with over a ranked, two lane. Uh, a road win a over a ranked two lane. Yes. yes. Um, but like looking at it, like sad, first, but it's yeah. true. <laughs> the first three quarters, Alabama outscored Texas 16 to 13. And in the fourth quarter, Texas, Texas outscored them 21 to eight, 21 to eight in that fourth quarter and just whipped them. And so Texas schedule is very favorable. You've got Baylor this weekend, who is a nightmare. Uh, oh, and two, uh, they lost to Texas state. They got Kansas the week after that. Who's two and oh, but they're Kansas. I mean, they're decent, but then they got the red river river rivalry is where it really starts time. picking up one more red. Time. River rivalry. Say that five times fast. Yeah, they actually changed it to the Red River shootout for that very reason. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, uh, Scott, you know, got green pastures ahead for Texas and Alabama, but on Saturday night, Texas was the better football team. All right, let's just go through real quick and tell everybody about the games we don't care to talk about. Uh, Vanderbilt lost at Wake Forest. Who cares? Uh, Georgia struggled early but beat Ball State 45-3. to Who cares? Uh, Kentucky struggled with Eastern Kentucky for a while. Uh, who cares? Uh, Arkansas struggled with Kent State. Who cares? Uh, funny thing about Kent State is they had an incredible offense last year. Uh, their head coach that had that incredible offense left and is Dion's OC at Colorado. Um, oh. And so they have took a step back very badly, and Arkansas still struggled. Tennessee struggled with Austin P. Brains. Who cares? Uh, uh, Missouri almost lost to I'll MPSU. Say this. They, I watched a lot of Tennessee game. They struggled early, and then they pulled away late. I mean, they uh, – Who anyway. cares? You don't struggle with MTSU. I mean, with Austin P. In-state rivalry, I know, but – Yeah. So, anyways, that's all I've got for week number two. The only one, uh, the last thing I have before we move into our, our picks for week number three, NFL and fantasy football, is why do people still schedule App State, man? They're that team that's going to punch you in the mouth. They're going to find a way to win, and they almost beat North Carolina. Who's a good I'm, football team? I'm telling you. App it, State's tough, man. They must have a really good administration and a really good procedure for hiring coaches because you look at the track record, you know, they beat um, – it beat Michigan back in the day. Good. Mm-hmm. They had a really good team, and uh, Scott Satterfield, the head coach, yeah. gets hired by Louisville. The yeah. next year, they hire Eli Drinkwitz. They have a really good team. He gets hired by Missouri. The next year, Mississippi State hires their OC. Like Whoever's making hiring decisions there does a fantastic job. Big brain up there for sure, making great, great picks. But um, before we move on to our week three picks, uh, who's your top four team? Who is your week two playoff teams? Uh, Florida State, number one. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm shooting this from a hip because I was not prepared. Uh, I'm going to uh, say Texas is number two. Mm-hmm. 
Texas and Florida State uh, have the two best wins of the year. For Going sure. into the year, I was higher on LSU than I was Alabama. That's why I've got Florida State. Mm-hmm. Um, just nosing them out at the top. Um, Ole Miss struggled with Tulane, so I'm actually not going to put them in my top four. But Colorado is still in my top four. Um, you know, and Oregon falls out because I don't know if you saw Oregon's game against uh, shoot, who were they playing? Um, last week they had a defensive score to yeah. win the game. It's like thirteen. Or if they were going to lose to I know was it Baylor? Was it Baylor? No, uh, it was. Uh, no, they're in the they're in the pack four. Pack two, uh, see, Texas Tech, Texas Tech, thirty-eight thirty. They won yeah. by eight. Yeah, yeah. So they had a, uh, let's see, they scored ten points in the last minute, ten seconds. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, Oregon fell out. Who? Let's look at the rankings real quick. I think I need some help. Uh, so I've got Florida State. I've got Texas. I have got um, Colorado, and uh, I'm going to go with. And keep in mind, this is based on what I've seen That's so far. That's what I did far. this week. That's so exactly far, like I, I don't care about anything else. Uh, I'm going to take a page out of your book, and I'm going to give the nod to Michigan. They had another really solid week this week. Uh, they played a couple nobodies, uh, but they uh, played UNLV this week at home. Uh, just beat the brakes off of them with the absence of, you know, take it back. I take it back. Exit, exit, exit. Abort. Michigan. Notre Dame. Sam Hartman was so good again. Stolen thunder. Uh, Notre Dame. I love Sam Hartman. <laughs> On College Game Day, they talked about him having his rib removed mm-hmm. last year. <laughs> and his mom made it, he wears a freaking rib around his neck mm, like he's mm-hmm. yeah he's an he's an animal i like him so yeah, yeah. for sure that's my that's my four in this order uh florida state texas colorado and notre dame you stole some of my thunder there um i uh i too am going by teams that i that i watched or looked up or paid attention to and this one is a dig more at my clemson friends than it is like a, a shout out but uh, I'm going Oregon State. DJ Ukulele has looked the part of an absolute beast of a quarterback. Um, Oregon State is my number four team. I don't think they're going to be there at the end. But right now, they're one of the four best teams that I have been keeping up with. They have won both games big. DJ is playing some great, great football. Sticking it to Dabo, saying maybe I wasn't the problem as Clemson continues to struggle. Um, so Oregon State is my number four team. Number three is Notre Dame. I agree. Sam Hartman is the real deal. I was curious about how he was going to respond going from Wake Forest out there, and he has not missed a beat. They beat a North Carolina State team, while not one of the better teams in the country, a Power 5 ACC team, and beat them handily with weather delays, which always throws off momentum. Notre Dame is my number three team. I agree. Texas, number two, a a signature win beating Alabama, and then Florida State at number one. They're still the best team I have seen all year until proven otherwise. And so we'll get those posted to Instagram. Y'all let us know what you think. Who has the better list? I have Oregon State, Notre Dame, Texas, Florida State. Drew has Notre Dame, Colorado, Texas, and Florida State. So you stole Honor- my thunder with Notre Dame. Yeah, honorable mention, uh, Washington State with a, a another win against Wisconsin. 
uh, this time at home. That quarterback's yeah. good. You know, he was his final two out of he went to um, Incarnate Word. His name is mm-hmm. Cam Ward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and out of Incarnate Word, he was down to Ole Miss and Washington State, and he went to Washington State. He was good. I knew he was going to be good then, and I'd forgotten about him because that's what happens when you go to Pullman. Never yeah, go to Pullman if you can go yeah. to Oxford. Yeah. You can go play in the SEC. Don't go to Pullman. People will exactly. forget about you. you know? Exactly. But uh, uh, I don't want to be that guy that's like Notre Dame and Texas are back, but they've looked the part the first two weeks. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the fun in doing polls like this. Is It's going to change every week based on yeah. what we've seen. And, and that's how that, – I feel like that's how uh, – the polls should be conducted yeah. anyways. There's yeah. way too much preseason bias in polls, when, 100%. especially when you see teams struggle that you know should be better than this. I've always been a fan of let's not release polls until week four. Let's get a couple games under our belt, see where we're at. You get those cupcakes out of the way. You get a good game in week three, week and four. And no preseason same. polls. No preseason polls. The polls start after week four. Hear ye, hear ye. We have spoken. Um, last thing on college football. We'll roll through our picks real quick. I want to make sure we get these in so we can compete against our fans. And then we got a last couple topics. So first game, again, I'm, I'm just reaching for what I can here. Uh, Kansas State marched up and down the field and whipped Missouri last year. They are at Missouri this year and are a five-point road favorite. Um, don't know anything about this game. Other than the Kansas State quarterback looks a lot like Colin Klein. It gives me a lot of Colin <laughs> Klein flashbacks. Yeah. Uh, I've never been a big fan of Missouri. I don't think they have a home field. Uh, I've been Kansas to a game there. They don't. Kansas State, when they're rolling, they have an identity. And that coach that they got from North North Dakota State has brought that identity with him. I'm a big fan. Uh, give me Kansas State plus the points. Yeah, they're a five-point favorite. Sadly, I agree with that. I just I don't think Missouri is it. Um, and Missouri, Missouri struggled this week. They've just not they've not looked good. I I was pulling for Drinkwitz and hoping that he could turn it around because he seems like a good dude, but he ain't gonna do it this week. I can tell you that they yeah. they struggle with Memphis. They ain't beating Kansas State. Game number two: the University of Tennessee Volunteers at Florida. Big rivalry game there. Tennessee is a seven-point road favorite. Ooh. Listen, I hate betting on Tennessee, but I feel like there's no easier money. I It's one of those things like if I bet against, if I pick Florida and Tennessee beats them by 50, I'll feel like the biggest idiot in the world. But if I pick Tennessee and that garbage quarterback from Florida decides to wake up and be decent <laughs> yeah. and Florida covers, I'm going to be like, all right, well, you know, that's just bad luck. So give me the balls yeah. uh, plus the points. I'm going to take two back-to-back road favorites to start this. Yeah, same. Give me UT. Florida is trash, man. There's nothing good about Florida. Tennessee struggled early against Austin P. They figured it out. It was a gimmicky offense that Austin P. rolled out. Tennessee's a good football team. They're better defensively. That's all I'm going to say. Give me Tennessee by way more than seven. All right, here's your shot. We've got the college game day game. We've got the Colorado State Rams at Colorado. Colorado is, you're right, Vegas just opened up that spread. DraftKings has it at 23 and a half points. They're begging you to take Colorado State. So uh, let's see where Colorado State is here. See how they've done this year. They opened up uh, a loss at home to Washington State. And then, uh, well, that's the only game they played. They played one football game. They played one football game. Yeah. yeah, 23 and a half, you said. Mm-hmm. Shoo. Uh, give me the Rams. 
God, we got to pick something different here, man. Are you going with the Rams? Too? You let me pick first. So, I mean, we I haven't know, talked about this, but I know this is coming. Uh, I, I made my picks today. Okay, at work. you know I'm what? I'll change them. mine. I want to. I want to root for Dion. I'll take Colorado to naysay. I'll let you be the boring ho- hope for a low-scoring defensive matchup. And here, I'm going to root for points. Shadur Sanders is the truth. He do, he belongs in the Heisman conversation. Yeah. He is really good. Colorado can move the football up and down the field, but at some point they're going to have a struggle. And I think this is the week. 23 and a half is a massive spread. This game could be 45-38, 45-35, and they still don't cover. You know what I'm saying? Like they can Shoot. still score a ton of points. Yeah. And Colorado State could also, I mean, they scored 24 in their first game. They can, you know, maybe they can score on Colorado because their defense is not. Yeah, 31-14 does not cover. Right, know? and so I'm, 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 I don't think that they're going to lose. I don't know they're going to win by 24 points, so I, I'm taking the Rams. Right, okay. I'm just going to root for fun. Yeah, there you go. Root for chaos. So we got Vandy at UNLV. They are a four-point. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel yeah. here. Vandy is a four-point road favorite at UNLV. Um, no, give me the Rebels. Ooh. Give me the Rebels. I don't know anything about UNLV other than Barry Odom's the coach there now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got beat really bad by Michigan this week because I just talked about that. That's the only reason why I know that one. <laughs> uh, I know the Vanderbilt beat Hawaii and then lost to Wake. Uh, I don't think they're very good. Mm-hmm. I don't think UNLV is any good either. Uh, so I'll take the the home team. Well, I'm taking Vandy as a four-point road favorite. I think they're still the SEC. They're still a little bit more talented than UNLV. Give me Vanderbilt in a game that nobody will watch, nobody will care about, and nobody will know the result until we tell them next week. Yeah, yeah, we'll tell you how that game ended next Thursday morning. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, BYU plays at Arkansas in the back half of a home-and-home where Arkansas went to Provo and won last year. Arkansas is the seven-and-a-half-point home favorite. What time is that game? I can tell you right now. I thought I could. It's top 25. Yeah, so... Uh, I'm looking it up. I got it right here. I think it's an sorry. evening kick if I'm... Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, this is, we're a better podcast. It's a 730 kick on... 7.30 yeah. Eastern, 6.30 Central on ESPN2. So I was kind of hoping this going to be at 11 o'clock, be a little time zone crazy, you know, because mm-hmm. you play at 11 o'clock in Fayetteville, that's 9 o'clock in Provo. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know anything about BYU. Let's just see how they've done this year. They've got a win, a uh, 14 to nothing win over Sam Houston at home, and a 41 to 16 win over Southern Utah at home. So we don't know anything. how good BYU is. I know Arkansas struggled. Uh, Arkansas minus eight. Give me BYU as the the road dog. Uh, eight points is a lot of points. Maybe I'm taking Arkansas. I'm taking yeah. Arkansas at home. KJ Jefferson had a bad game, but I think he figures it out. They got to get Rocket Sanders going at some point. I think he it's did this not week. play this week, Mm-mm. so and uh, and he didn't play well in in week one, so probably because because of injury. But I think Arkansas is just more of a talented team. Give me Arkansas home favorite. Win yeah. by ten. Uh, next, I picked this one just because it's a big spread. Again, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here. South Carolina at Georgia. Squirrely things happen in this rivalry. This is one of those yeah. weird ones that. Like weird things. It's it's similar to Arkansas Ole Miss. It's just this a weird was, rivalry. This was like thirty two or something, isn't it? It's What's twenty seven and a half. Seven. Um give me South Carolina. Mm, same. I took South Carolina. Too. Uh it's just a lot of points and That's a lot of points. South Carolina has shown me nothing to make me think that they're twenty seven less than twenty seven points 
uh, inferior to Georgia, but I had Georgia hasn't exactly shown a lot offensively either. Nope. Uh, a twenty-one, a twenty-four to nothing game does not cover. Right. And, and that's so, what this if could South be. Carolina gets a touchdown, I kind of like their odds of of covering. No, yeah. they ain't going to win, but I think they yeah. cover. Agree. South Carolina, uh, 27 and a half is a big spread in the SEC. We don't see 28, 30 point victories in the SEC a lot. I don't, unless they're playing Vanderbilt, I don't see it this week. Right. Okay. Ole Miss at Georgia Tech. Ole Miss is an 18 and a half point road favorite. Yeah. I, uh, 18 and a half. Uh, so it's a new coach at Georgia Tech this year. I'll have mm-hmm. to look up. Uh, Jeff Collins has gone. I uh, got shown the door after last season. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm not high on Georgia Tech. I think Georgia Tech has been an ACC bottom dweller for as long as I can remember. Since they except left for the 2014 uh, oh, when yeah. they beat Mississippi State in the Orange Bowl. Yeah. Uh, like a break, like beat the brakes off oh, state. Hey, hey. Uh, they just scored again. <laughs> yeah, probably so. Um, yeah, I think Ole Miss beats them by uh, beats them and covers. It's at home. Last year, they beat them by, I'd have to look it up. I think they beat them by like 35 to 40 on the road in Atlanta last year. I think Ole Miss just handles business. The only thing that could get in the way is uh, is don't start thinking about Alabama. Do not even entertain the idea of Alabama right now. Uh, Worry about yourself. Fix your own problems. Don't even really have to worry about Georgia Tech. Just Fix your problems in-house that, that you have found in the first two games. Uh, fix those. Fix penalties. Try to fix your offensive line protections and run blocking. Uh, and if you just take care of yourself in this game, on missile cover and give yourself a, a clean slate headed towards Tuscaloosa next week. I agree. Georgia Tech showed some glimmers in the first game before losing to Louisville, but they're not good. They're not the uh... – uh, the Georgia Tech of old, where they're just going to hang on to the football for 40 minutes and just wear you down and then lose, you know, 17-10. I think Ole Miss has a real shot of blowing them out at home. Yep. And then our last one, LSU comes to Starville as a nine and a half point road favorite. What's your take? Um, I feel like the line is fair. Uh, I feel like when I know that. You're historically LSU and Mississippi State have dog fights in Starkville. Mississippi State gets their chunk of flesh when LSU comes to Starkville more often than other teams. I know that there's a history there. However, LSU went ten and two last year. They're the reigning SEC West champs. They do have a loss, but it's against who we both think is the best team in the country so far. Um I believe in Jaden Daniels. I think I believe in Brian Kelly. Um, I'm going LSU just because of the pedigree there, what I've seen in the last year and a half. And looking at the questions that I had against a non-conference home game against Arizona last week, I just can't get there yet with a team that I think is as good as I believe LSU is. I hear you. Um, there was a Coastal Carolina football coach number of years ago. We need more dogs. We need more dogs. We need more dogs. I need more dogs. Don't need yeah. no kitty cats. Mississippi State's running the football effectively. 
Mississippi State is different than what we were last year. We had two LSU, and it was a one-touchdown game. Like you're trying to give me a pep talk. I'm not changing my <laughs> – I'm not talking to you. I'm talking okay. to our listeners at large here. Are you talking to the team? I'm talking to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mississippi State fought, like you said, tooth and nail with LSU last year. They won by two scores because of two late scores in the final six minutes due to a turnover and some and some late-game stuff. Not only do I think Mississippi State covers – I think there is an outside oh, okay. chance that we get squirrely Don't. and win this football game. I am the taking Mississippi you. State. I am. I am. I believe in this team is going to upset somebody, and so I'm going to pick it till it happens. Mississippi, give me Mississippi State. Give me them dogs. Let's go, hail State. You, you want money line? I'm taking them outright. I'm, I'm taking oh, them outright. Okay. Absolutely. Well, you put money line on there. You cover it to loss. That sounds good. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Uh, uh, I, was I, about to, I was about to give you so much crap if you if you started that whole process and you were just like somebody's gonna we're gonna upset somebody this year but I'm just gonna take the points. No, we're <laughs> I am taking state give, outright. Just, so. give, just give me the points. We're gonna upset somebody, but nope, not. I mean, at least you're bold enough to pick it. I am, and I'm taking it. I think there's a real shot. I think that we can figure some things out. It just feels like one of those years that this route, this this Mississippi State LSU series, like you said, when they come to Starkville, it's always a dogfight, and there's always that chance that we get weird. And the yeah. way our defense is good, it's we just the biggest thing is we have to contain Jaden Daniels. If we can yeah, contain Jaden Daniels from running the football on us, we have a really really good shot of winning. Much this game. like you contained that second rate athletic quarterback from is. Arizona last there week. We'll see. We'll I mean, that, just it's know. right there. Just and know. We, I'm letting you and our listeners know that I will be insufferable should we win this game next week. What if you lose? I'll be right here, and I'll take okay. my lumps. Okay. I'll take my lumps. And just don't say, I will be insufferable if we win, but if we lose, I will make excuses. I will be right <laughs> here, sir. I'll be right here taking my lumps, wearing my Mississippi State shirt, probably my interlocking MSU, and I'll be ready to go. So uh, that's all the college football I've got, Drew. We've run it along here, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's hit League of Avengers just for a second. Yep. Uh, I'm hoping everybody is going to enjoy this uh, little five minute, ten minute segment we do at the end of the episodes where we talk about our League of Avengers fantasy football league. Uh, it was a good week for both of us, Rusty. We mm-hmm. both start week one at one and zero. Oh. I'll tell you who it was really bad for in my family league. Uh, my wife had a oh, terrible no. week. Uh, there were two catastrophic ACL tears. My wife started both Aaron Rodgers and J.K. Achilles. Yeah, Achilles started both J.K. Dobbins and Aaron Rodgers this week. No. <laughs> so really, really bad for her. Um, but in our League of Avengers, uh, we're going to give out a couple of awards. The first one we start off with every year, it, every week, it's the Buddy Stevens Award. It is the names. It is named after the legendary coach at East Mississippi Community College. Uh, you know, at East Mississippi, everybody in JUCO, everybody's undefeated. So it only you had to be undefeated and win the point differential. And he just beat people 85 to nothing. That's <laughs> the spirit of football that I love. Is I want to take no prisoners. Just burn the ships, burn everything to the ground. And our buddy um, Michael Mutter's team name, Kuman Torch, he went full General Sherman on the South against uh, our, the defending uh, or two-time champion of the uh, League of Avengers, Hunter Shaw, his Gotham City Knights. A 30-point win. Michael Mutter's congratulations. Got the Buddy Stevens Award. 
And my second favorite award we're going to give out today is the Al Gore Award based on the 2000 presidential election in which Al Gore scored as got as many points and as many votes as possible and somehow still lost. So this team did an incredible job, but they still lost. And not only did they lose, there was almost a recount. We almost went full hanging Chad in this matchup. Our boy Zach Jones, Reed Option Richards, lost in his game 125 to 123. Mm. And not only that, Rusty, you went to sleep. You're a terrible sports fan. (laughs) You don't watch anything in real time. You only get all of your highlights via Twitter the next morning. And I have no one to share this with because you go to sleep. But our boy Zach uh, had a 13-point lead. He was going up against uh, our buddy Lump, and Lump only had Tyler Bass, the kicker for the Buffalo Bills. And in a 16-13 game with the clock winding down in the fourth quarter, Zach had a three-point lead. Tyler Bass lines up for a 40-yard field goal and doinks it. But it goes through the upright. <laughs> Zach scores. What was the what was the score? Oh, uh, my phone went to sleep. Um, Zach loses by one, two points. Yeah, one twenty five point one to one twenty three point two, a hundred and twenty three points in a loss, on a doinked field goal from forty yards, was just the. It mm. gave me. It was funny. I was on the phone and Zach uh, is in San Antonio on a work thing with Cub Cadet. He called me because his phone's broke. He can't look at any scores. He's carrying a laptop around with him everywhere. He's sitting at a sports bar at this resort in San Antonio and I'm texting the group message like, guys, you saw it. Uh, guys, this kick is going to determine Zach's game here. Everybody turn on Monday Night Football and then it blew up when the kick doinked and went in and he was, he called me. He said, did I lose? And I was like, yes. And as I'm telling him, explaining to him how he lost this game, there goes Xavier Gibson returning a punt (laughs) in overtime to win the game. And we're both just screaming over the phone. He's in San Antonio, Texas. I'm in Ripley, Mississippi. And we're both just screaming like we're standing (laughs) beside each other. Uh, it was, uh, it was a legendary end to the fantasy football week. Sucks that Aaron Rodgers towards ACL. Uh, we're not going to get it though, uh, towards Achilles, which is much worse than an ACL. Mm. Uh, we're not going to get into NFL this week. We covered way too much college football, but it was just an incredible ending to the fantasy football mm. week. Uh, I did fall asleep and then I woke up and saw the text and turned it on and saw the very tail end. I saw the punt return. So I did respond to your stuff at midnight Eastern time. Um, I did wake up and see that, but uh, yeah, what a, what a fantastic week one of, of fantasy football. Cannot wait for more. I'm so glad it's back. Uh, League of Avengers one and O Witten family league one and O hard to get much better than that, man. Let's yeah. go in the Witten family league. I had some monster games from Aaron Jones and Christian McCaffrey I'm just excited it's here and I can care about football again, baby. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to Michael Mutters and to Zach Jones, even though, Zach, that's a double-edged sword. You get an award, but you lost the game. Yeah. Congratulations to our first two winners of the uh, 
Two Bucks Sports Podcast League of Avengers Drewski Awards. 2023. And, uh, 2023 extravaganza. Race yeah. for the cure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fun run race for the cure. That's it. That's it, man. Uh, speaking of, real quick, so in our family league, me and my brother and my cousin Jim try and find the deepest office references for our team names. Right. This year, I am the Slum Dunder Mifflinaires. Yeah, Slum Dunder <laughs> Mifflinaires. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, Clark said I'm a little stitious, uh, and Jim was uh, is big tuna. So big shout tuna. out to the Witten Family League. Let's go. Those, those aren't very. Uh, you, it, There's those, one of those that are deep. <laughs> yeah, there, none of those are deep. So, uh, but yeah, good week, good podcast. Yeah, that's good. It's, it's, oh. Uh oh. Hello. Uh oh is right. <laughs> Cousin Kirk is back to drop a bomb and a good jewel on the Two Buck Sports Podcast. I mean, could you ask for anything better on a Wednesday night at nineteen forty six? For them people that don't know it's seven forty six, okay? So we're going by military time, just in case y'all didn't know. Buckets. Yes, sir. I know you got plenty of money up there in South Carolina, so I'm going to allow you to send me a, I'm sorry I took your quarterback in the fantasy football league. <laughs> I sent it to a bottle of Buffalo Trace because it is scarce down here in North Mississippi. So whenever you want to send that here, I will text you my address and I'll be much obliged to take it from you. <laughs> yeah. And for those that don't know, uh, Cousin Kirk wanted Kirk Cousins in the fantasy football draft, but Bucket swooped, uh, sw swooped in front of him and, and grabbed him right out of his clutches. I, I tell you, there was, I mean, there was very little things that made me mad that night, and that was very, that was, that was the it. number one. That was the number one. As soon as he turned that card in, I said, I just, in my head, I just went, you, mm. yeah. That's I'm how trying I to keep. I'm trying to keep it PG for the good people out here Please. at the Two Bucks Sports Podcast, but Lord, it oh, it made me sour. That's how <laughs> I felt when when Aaron Ivy took Tua right in front of me. Mm. Speaking yeah. of Aaron Ivy, speaking of all the people, Lord, Aaron Ivy, for the record, you are welcome for that W that you got this first week of fantasy football draft. I tell you, <laughs> I was sitting there looking pretty. I think I was up 75 to 64, and I had Aaron Rodgers right there ready to go. And uh -huh. he had Garrett Wilson. And I was like, oh, this is about to be awesome because he ain't going to throw touchdown passes to just Garrett Wilson. Alan Lazard's going to get one. Brees Hall might get one out of the backfield. I was looking forward to this game. And not even four plays into that game Aaron Rodgers goes out with Achilles injury yeah Kirk needed Kirk needed Aaron Rodgers to outscore Garrett Wilson by 10 points and Aaron Rodgers got zero <laughs> and in, so in, Kirk lost by four in the pillow I mean, fight of the week because it yeah. was one of the lowest scoring games that we had it's the it's the, I mean, it's the uh I, I'm gonna give out a Drewski real quick that is the uh, the Cyhawk Memorial Trophy goes to Aaron Ivy for the uh, fantasy football game most resembling the Iowa Iowa State rivalry. Well, as long as you put as long as you put honorable mention triangle face monkey on there, we're good. I mean, I got part of that award because I helped him out. Yeah. But I mean, I was sitting there looking at it and I was like, you know, Aaron Rodgers beat out Abe Lincoln by three plays. You know what I mean? 
Uh, well kirk i'm glad that you jumped on with us uh we are wrapping up this podcast can't think of a better way to wrap it up than for cousin kirk to chime in in his trooper car one more time Mm. and so uh kirk tell them where to find you and we're going to shut this podcast down where to find me? You can find me yeah. in North Mississippi, Alcorn <laughs> County. Okay. If you want to find me on Instagram, any type of social media, it's one big KG52. Uh, I'm here. If, and, Answer uh, any questions you want. And uh, I got them all, buddy. I got if, them all. Except on how to win in week one of fantasy football, because this is the fourth <laughs> year in a row where I've lost week one. If, uh, if you really want to find Cousin Kirk, Go about 90 down Highway 45 in Alcorn County. You'll get, get you'll you. find him quick. F20, quick. be on your quick. <laughs> hey, swig a beer for the working man. Always tip your waitresses and do not go home with strippers named Ethel. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look, Ethel. All right, Don't thanks, cousin Kirk. <laughs> See y'all. <laughs> Rusty, I'm glad we got Kirk to hang out with us for a little bit tonight. Yes, uh, sir. Tell everybody where they can find us in the week going forward. At the number two bucks sports podcast on Instagram, Twitter, two bucks sports podcast on Facebook. We're on all your favorite podcast apps, Apple, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, Google. And then if you want to see our ugly mugs for some ungodly reason, we are on YouTube. Give us a like, follow, share wherever you get your podcasts. Please interact with us on social media. Tell us what we got it right. Tell us what we got it wrong. Participate in this week's picks. Last week, y'all beat us. Uh, maybe y'all will beat us again. I don't think so. I feel good about my picks, but we'll see what happens. Yep. Drew, see you back next time. Uh, this week, Next week, same time. I enjoyed it, brother. Good show as always. Yeah, I enjoyed it, Rusty. See you next week. Uh, everybody have a good week. See ya. <laughs>